Welcome into Outkick the Show. Clay Travis hanging out with you here. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday. As I am speaking to you right now, Donald Trump is in the Miami courthouse. I am going to analyze today's activities as we know them presently. Uh, the Nuggets won the title in Game 5. I forgot to talk about Novak Djokovic and his win yesterday. I will today. San Francisco is collapsing. Gavin Newsom was on Hannity and more. A trans influencer at the White House flashed his slash her boobs. Uh, and uh, I will discuss all of that and more. But let's start here. Um, oh, by the way. I love all of you on YouTube. We are now on the march to 2 million subscribers. I said my goal was to get to a million. We have gotten there. Uh, let me see what our current number is, if I can. <coughs> I think we are about to get to, we are at, I believe I'm correct in this, 1,070,000 subscribers. So we're on the march to uh, 1.1 million, which will put us clearly on the march to 2 million. Maybe we're going to get 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Click like and subscribe below, uh, and I certainly appreciate all of you who are subscribing as uh, we speak. All right, let's talk about the Trump situation. I analyzed the indictment. I told you all to read the indictment yesterday. I hope that you have taken the time to do so. Trump is going to speak tonight at Bedminster. Here is what I would like for Donald Trump to say tonight at Bedminster, okay? This is the argument that wins Donald Trump the 2024 election, okay? I am going to speak to you now, off the cuff, unprepared, without anything written, as if I were Donald Trump, what I would like to see him say at the top of his statement tonight from Bedminster in the wake of federal indictment against him brought by Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, and the Democrat apparatus, okay? Here's what I would like to see Trump say. What happened to me is a direct attack against American democracy, the most significant attack on American democracy that has occurred in any of our lives, in the 240-year history of the United States, we have never seen, ever, not once, anyone who is sitting in office attempt to put their chief political rival for the White House, for the presidency, in prison for the rest of his life. That has never occurred throughout our entire history. We have had decades of huge recriminations, of disagreements, of battles over ideas, some of which have even in the case of the Civil War become legitimate fights between our own citizens. Never, not once, have we ever seen the President of the United States through his Department of Justice, with his Attorney General, through an independent counsel's recommendation that he hand-selected have we ever seen what is happening today? Joe Biden came into office promising that he was going to re re restore normalcy to the country and that he was going to defend democracy. He's failed on both fronts. This is the most outrageous, outlandish, unsupported attack upon free elections that has ever occurred in our country. 
what they are trying to do to me is put me in prison. But this is about something much bigger and more important than me. What they are trying to do is set the precedent that it is acceptable for one party in power that hold that holds the presidency to try to put their chief political rival, a former president and the leading contender to beat Joe Biden in 2024 in prison. This is something that happens in Latin America. This is something that has happened in banana republics all over the world. It's never happened in the United States before. And if this happens to me, it will not be the last time that it happens. In fact, it will become standard operating procedure, which is why if I am elected president, I am going to have to pursue Joe Biden for all of the crimes that he has committed and all of the crimes that his family has committed. But I'm going to do something that Joe Biden's not willing to do. I'm going to prove all of his crimes. And then when I'm president, I'm going to pardon him. Because I want to beat him fair and square in 2024. I'm going to beat him fair and square. And then I'm going to have my Department of Justice unleash a full-fledged investigation of the Biden crime family. We're going to prove everything that they did. We're going to lay it out for the American public to see. And then I'm going to pardon him because this is the most important truth. Once you set a precedent of trying to put an American politician in prison, it will not end. And I know I said that Hillary Clinton should go to prison. And frankly, I think she should. She lied in her investigation. She hammered her email server. She bleached it. She committed crimes that, unlike James Comey, I believe any reasonable prosecutor would have seen as evidence and brought forth and tried to put her in prison. But ultimately, upon reflection, after I've seen what happened to me and what they have done to my family, I think that at some point in time, someone needs to actually stand up for American democracy, for precedent, for the 240-plus year history of our nation. That is why what is happening to me will not end unless I am elected and I put an end to it. I'm going to kick Joe Biden's ass fair and square in November. I'm going to trounce him. Joe, you're watching this, at least if you're not in bed yet. I want you to know this. I'm going to beat you everywhere. We're not trying to run a campaign to win by 500 votes. We're running a campaign where all the floods in Atlanta can't help you because I'm going to crush you in Arizona, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Nevada, in New Hampshire. Every state that was close in 2020, I'm winning in 2024. I want you crying on election night. I want to beat you so bad on election night, Joe Biden, that it happens so early even you haven't gone to bed yet because you're only working like four hours a day right now. I'm going to crush you. And then I'm going to sweep you right outside of office. I'm going to conduct an investigation to prove 
how much of liars and cheats and, frankly, scandalous the behavior was of the Biden crime family. I'm going to lay it all out. And then guess what? Because I actually understand the importance of American democracy and of our long-lasting 240-year history. I'm going to pick up this pen and I'm going to pardon you. And I'm going to pardon every member of your family too. Because even though you're the worst president of my life, and even though I believe you and your family have cheated and scammed and made millions on the back of the American public, I think principle deserves to stand above politics. So, you're going to have to take the ass-kicking in November that's coming your direction next year, and you're going to have to deal with all your dirty laundry being shared out in public, and the full substance of all your criminal crime family violations is going to be widely distributed for everybody to see. But then I'm going to do something that you're not willing to do. Unlike you, I'm not going to try to put you in prison. I'm going to rise above bitter partisan rancor. And I'm going to pardon you with this pen from all of your crimes. And then... I'm going to be the greatest president in America for the next four years. I'm going to make America great again. I'm going to send the message that this country's institutions are too important and that I love this country too much to do what you're doing and allow you to continue with this destructive, biggest attack on democracy in our nation's history. That's my promise to you. That's my promise to everybody out there watching. Get ready. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, New Hampshire. I'm running the board. I'm going to beat your ass worse than Alabama beats a lower tier uh, non-Power 5 conference opponent. Basically, I'm going to treat you like you're Vanderbilt in the SEC. Joe Biden, get ready. Ass kicking's coming. Boom. All right. That's off the cuff. That is absolutely no protection, no like preconceived notion. I don't read off anything for this show. That's a landslide message. What I'm afraid Trump is going to do is Trump is going to come out and he's going to wallow in victimization. He's going to talk about how he's the victim and everything's about him and how everything is focused on him. That's fine. It's true. But the landslide message is about what's making, what's happening to you about something bigger, about the awful precedent that it's setting for 25 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. What Joe Biden is doing is a radical attack upon American democracy, the likes of which we have never seen in the 240 plus year history of the United States. Again, there have been a lot of bitter, partisan, hugely contentious debates. We've never seen this happen before. No sitting president has ever tried to put his chief political rival in prison to keep him from running against him. It's never happened. It's not a sign of strength from Joe Biden. It's a sign of weakness, of desperation of flat-out repudiating American democratic ideals. If Joe Biden, frankly, 
if Joe Biden was actually the unifier that he claimed he was, if he was actually trying to make America a better place, Joe Biden would actually pardon Donald Trump of all of these charges and say that he's wiping the slate clean. He has the ability to do that. He's not doing it because he's not a uniter. He's actually the biggest divider to ever take office in our nation's history. Should you think about that? We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. That's my analysis. Um, unfortunately, I think Trump will probably focus on the individual attack. But what he should focus on, I think, is the larger attack upon American democracy. All right. Uh, Gavin Newsom. Watched him last night on Hannity. He was good. But be honest with you guys. Uh, props to Sean Hannity and to Gavin Newsom, just like I gave props to Trump for going on CNN, walking right into the lion's den, taking the questions there. I thought it was really smart of Gavin Newsom to do the interview with Sean Hannity. I thought it was smart of Sean Hannity to talk to Gavin Newsom. And I wanted to not like Gavin Newsom. I like him. I think he's pretty skilled. I think, frankly, he's the best option Democrats have in the 2024 election. I think that uh, that Newsom is unctuous. I think he's a leganist. I think that he is the slicked back, uh, you know, hair style. Uh, I think all of his policies, which are destroying California, I think all of those policies are a disaster. I also think it comes across pretty well. One of the things that I think is a real flaw of American politics today is nobody admits when they get anything wrong, Right. Uh, I get things wrong all the time. I did a sports talk uh, uh, gambling show, sports uh, gambling show for four years on television. I was wrong all the time. Go listen to my sports talk radio show. I make predictions of who's going to win games. I'm wrong all the time. I own it. You guys can listen to my opinions over time. You can say, you know what? I agree with this guy. I think this guy's a joke. I think this guy's laughably absurd. You can say whatever you want about me, right? Um, but I own it. I don't run and hide, right? Um when Gavin Newsom said, yeah, basically I was an idiot uh, for going to French Laundry, I think it really ends the story, right? We've created this idea where if you admit ever you were wrong on anything, that it makes everything else people trust you less. I actually think it's the opposite. When you make 100 decisions, you're not going to make 100 decisions and they're not going to all end up correct. Um, and so admitting when you make a decision that ends up differently than you think, I wish Donald Trump would come out and say, you know what, 15 days to stop the spread was wrong. In retrospect, I shouldn't have done that. I listened to Dr. Fauci. I listened to the, the health uh, guidance people. There was a panic setting in in the country, and I trusted their analysis that 15 days to stop the spread would solve our issues with COVID going forward. It didn't end up happening. I listened, I listened to all the experts when they said, hey, this COVID shot will solve all the issues. It didn't. The COVID shot neither stopped uh, the spread of COVID nor stopped you from getting it. The experts were wrong. I wish I had had the expertise to say no to them and to look to the data and to make the opposite choice from some of the choices that I made in the early days of COVID. I wish we hadn't made all those extra ventilators. We got a lot wrong. The fog of war in the immediate uh, panic of this new virus, we made some choices that on retrospect were wrong. And I own it. Not going to get every uh, judgment right. 
on balance, we made a lot better decisions than we did wrong decisions, which is a goal of every president. We didn't get everything right. I'm not going to get everything right in my next term either. I'm going to do the best job that I can. I thought Gavin Newsom did that, and I thought he came across well. And the fact that Gavin Newsom is willing to go on Fox News and take questions from Sean Hannity, I think, is a sign of strength. I don't run from any of my critics. They won't invite me on their shows, but I would go on. I always have. You saw the interview that I did with Stephen A. Smith. If Jamel Hill invited me on her podcast tomorrow and promised that she was going to run the entire conversation, I'd go sit on Jamel Hill's podcast. I'd go sit on anybody's podcast. It has an audience, even if they disagree with me, as long as they played the totality of our interview. I don't have anything to hide from. I do three hours of live radio every day. I do this show live every day. You can agree or disagree with a lot of what I say, but I don't run and hide. I think that's a strength. I think Gavin Newsom would be an infinitely better candidate than Joe Biden. In fact, I think Gavin Newsom is the best option for the Democrats right now. I think there are a lot of good Republicans out there running, right? For president, we had Nikki Haley on the show today. We'll have Mike Pence on tomorrow. We've had Trump on. We've had Ron DeSantis on. I think all there's a lot of good candidates for the Republican Party right now. I don't think the Democrats can stay the same. I think Gavin Newsom is far, far better than anybody else that's available option for the Democrats. I think he might win. I really do. So credit to him for going on the show. I disagree with virtually everything that he's doing in California. I think he's been wrong on a tremendous amount of his decisions. But I think he's a fairly compelling candidate, and I think he would do well on a debate stage. A um, couple of other different things. Nuggets win the title. Game five. I'm going to have a deep dive piece for you on all of the, uh, let me see what this Wall Street Journal, uh, Donald Trump has officially pled not guilty uh, to the classified documents case. Okay, that's Wall Street Journal alert. Just came down. Um, Nuggets won in game five. I love that Novak Djokovic, sir, sorry, I keep getting them mixed up. I love that Nikola Jokic is ready to be done. I haven't seen anybody less interested in celebrating that I can remember winning a title ever before in sports. And uh, Jokic was asking when the celebration was in Denver because he's ready to just go back to Serbia and be able to chill at home for a while uh, until he has to return to play basketball again. I respect that. Even the celebration where he's wearing his goggles uh, and, the, and, the, uh, uh, and, and walking around with the champagne, it was like he was having to show up at work to be seen and then he was just going to bail, uh, which which I could respect. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, but I found the Nuggets to be a very likable team. What I am promising to you is when the final ratings data comes out for Game 5, I'm going to write a deep dive piece on OutKick. And by the way, I would encourage you to go read my deep dive piece or at least column uh, that was up comparing the treatment of Colin Kaepernick and Anthony Bass. One guy with the 49ers, one guy with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays calling out the hypocrisy in sports media treatment. My thesis for you, I'm giving it to you early, is it wasn't Bud Light and it wasn't Target and it wasn't Disney that were the first impacts of this backlash against wokeism. It was actually the NBA. The NBA audience has collapsed since the NBA went super political, starting about 2017, right? Uh, when Donald Trump took office in 2017, the NBA lost its mind. 
And I'm going to track what the data reflects about that and explain to you how much of the NBA television audience has vanished in a way that most in the sports media will not because they're so left-wing, they don't want to acknowledge that there was any impact at all from sports fans who just stopped watching. It appears Bud Light sales have dropped about 25% or so. Um, that is certainly what we've seen in the NBA, too. I'm going to lay it out for you. It's going to be impossible to argue otherwise. Data, logic, analysis. I know things that are very rare in media today. That piece is coming. I'm going to try to get to it. What is today? Tuesday? I'm going to try to get to it before I leave uh, for uh, Cooperstown, New York, uh, on Thursday, I've got to go to a Little League uh, baseball tournament up there. Um, I mentioned this as one of the headlines yesterday. I didn't get to it. Novak Djokovic is now the all-time leader on Sunday. He won the French Open. He's now the all-time Grand Slam champion. Unlikely to get caught. But he also left behind probably, what, three or four titles that he would have been favored to win if he had been able to play in the Australian Open and the U.S. Open and other tournaments that banned him because he wasn't willing to get the COVID shot. Let me tell you something. This is what true courage in the world of sports, I said in the world of sports, represents. We give a lot of praise to athletes. Typically, that praise actually makes them more money, right? Regardless of what you think of Colin Kaepernick, for instance, he's probably the most praised athlete by sports media in most of our lives, and he made more money, right? It isn't courageous to do something that makes you way more money, right? You can say it's lots of things. You can say it's a smart capitalist move. You can say it's a smart business move. But it's not brave to do something that actually directly benefits you and makes you wealthier than you would otherwise be, in my humble opinion. What happened with Novak Djokovic is, he was so willing to stand on principle to not get the COVID shot that he risked his status potentially as the greatest tennis player of all time. Do you know how much that takes for an athlete that is committed and at the apex of his uh, sport like Novak Djokovic is to be willing to not compete at the U.S. Open or the Australian Open as a matter of principle, I believe that history will judge Novak Djokovic very kindly because he was right about the COVID shot. He was right about having natural immunity, and he stood up to stupidity and incompetence and lack of logic, even if it forced him to potentially, doesn't look like it's going to, but to potentially relinquish his ability to make his claim as the greatest tennis player of all time. That's what courage and bravery looks like in sports. Bravo, Novak Djokovic. I love what you stood for. I think history will judge you kindly, certainly if I'm any part of helping to write history. Um, this is crazy. I don't know what this chick's name is or this dude's name is or whatever you want to call this person, but they had a big trans, you know, gay celebration or whatever at the White House. And this man who's pretending to be a woman like flashed his slash her boobs and they were all topless at the White House making videos. And the Biden White House, as all these videos started to go viral, came out and condemned that behavior as unacceptable. 
and whatever, that's fine. And I'm a First Amendment and boobs guy, so this whole concept has me shook. I never would have thought that I was going to be commenting on a man pretending to be a woman who has fake boobs and unveiled them in the White House Rose Garden. Like, I... <laughs> Talking about politics creating strange bedfellows, I didn't think a First Amendment of boobs would end up in this conflict. But here's what I would say to you in general. Think about where we are in America, that the Biden White House is willing to condemn somebody flashing their boobs at a White House ceremony, but they aren't willing to condemn 14-year-olds getting their boobs chopped off as a part of trans surgery. If you had to choose which behavior to condemn, would you be more likely to condemn grown adults flashing their boobs or would you be more likely to condemn kids, that is minors, getting their boobs chopped off as a part of trans surgery? The Biden White House condemned adults flashing their boobs. Meanwhile, says that 14-year-olds getting their boobs cut off should be praised that that is brave. Seems to me they got it backwards. Or if you're going to condemn behavior involving boobs, maybe you would condemn doctors operating on 14-year-olds more aggressively than you would people deciding to flash their boobs at the White House. I think that is worth discussing and contemplating. Uh, finally... San Francisco is collapsing. Many of the most lucrative real estate properties in San Francisco are just being walked away from, and a lot of people are not recognizing what's going on. I can't believe how much the city of San Francisco, which is one of the most beautiful cities in America, has collapsed. I almost feel like I need to take a trip to San Francisco to see what it actually looks like for purposes of going there. Um, but my goodness, this is a total and complete collapse. Um, 3,000 hotel rooms, two of the biggest hotels in San Francisco, they just flat out said, hey, yeah, we can't do this anymore. We're walking away from our notes and just giving them back to the bank. California Street or California Avenue, one of the biggest buildings there, they just walked away from it. it. was valued at $300 million just a couple of years ago. They just handed it back to the bank at around $80 million. The Westfield Mall in San Francisco just walked away from their loan. Nordstrom has left. Uh, you've got uh, uh, the Whole Foods says it can't stay open. All of these businesses are fleeing. The commercial real estate uh open space, right? The vacancy rate over 30% right now in San Francisco. I mean, this is calamitous and it's all because of left-wing policies. Democrats did it to themselves. They're destroying San Francisco, Seattle, Portland. The more woke, the more liberal, the more destructive the policies that are being embraced there all of those cities are going to need a modern-day Rudy Giuliani to come in and clean them up. I feel sorry for the residents who are sane, and my goodness, I'm glad I don't own any properties there because that is going to be a bloodbath. All right, uh, love all of you. Keep hanging out with Clay and Buck. I'll see you tomorrow. This has been Outkick the Show.